The reading is taken from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into this. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, very good morning to you and uh, welcome for, welcome to you, uh, whether you're a regular or whether you're just dropping in on our virtual church and finding out what we're doing. I hope this morning's message is helpful for us. We've been following uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy, and it's uh, quite a challenging letter, but I think it's very helpful uh, for our times. And we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 7. G.K. Chesterton is often quoted as saying Christianity has never been tried and found wanting, but it has been found difficult and left. And what he's alluding to is people sort of dip their toe or they see something special in there uh, and then they find actually it's much harder uh, sometimes than, than they anticipated. And so if he is right, and our reading today confirms that he probably is, uh, then we ought to explore and actually let's try and be honest about the struggles that we face and the work out what helps us to keep going. I like this opening line, uh, you then my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What great encouraging words uh, for us to hear, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But when we read the Bible and find a little reference like this, you then my son, or, or in this case actually a therefore my son, uh, we ought to sometimes read back a little bit and see what the therefore is there for. In chapter 1, verse 15, Paul wrote that everyone in Asia had deserted him, including Philagius and Hermogenes. Uh, Ian talked about that a little bit last week, but it had an impact uh, on Paul, uh, and it also helped Paul to illustrate something to Timothy that was important. It's interesting uh, that Paul uses the word everyone, uh, and that, uh, that might be the exaggeration that could come with depression and a sense of isolation. I am so on my own. Clearly he was affected uh, by his scenario, his situation, uh, perhaps in the same way that Elijah was in uh, 1 Kings 19, where he declares to God, I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. That sense of isolation, I'm, no, I'm out there, I feel, I feel on a limb, I'm on my own, uh, perhaps like some of us are, uh, are feeling at the moment. He obviously felt that pain quite sharply and it affected him. And why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? People uh, had followed him. He, he'd had a, a successful looking ministry, uh, but the path that God had set him on had led him to this place. And now people were starting to abandon him. The truth that he had proclaimed, that they had enthusiastically followed and upheld with him, they were now abandoning in droves. He declared it in the presence of many witnesses, but now he feels alone. 
Perhaps those people thought that the gospel should be more successful, that it should look a bit more dynamic, that it should have been able to overcome this situation. Where was God? Why was he letting this happen to Paul? Um, but it's very interesting. We have some of those same questions, perhaps, ourselves. Perhaps they thought the gospel should be more respectable and it should fit in with what else was going on. But actually, God's plans were to take Paul to the Gentiles and their leaders and proclaim his truths to them as well. And out of that flows uh, the church across Europe. So it's, it's an exciting time, though it is a difficult one for Paul, and we would be very grateful. In contrast, however, Onesiphorus, I'm going to struggle to pronounce that one, it comes up a lot. Onesiphorus <laughs> remained faithful to both the gospel and Paul. Paul wasn't really alone. Onesiphorus had helped him. He had searched hard for Paul so that he could refresh him, bring him the things that he needed, comfort him, speak to him. Uh, and that's important in spite of the evident risk. And Onesiphorus, through that, was sharing Paul's suffering. He's, the thing that Paul was going through was something that Onesiphorus was also in part going through as well. And it is so encouraging to do that, to bear one, another one another's burdens, to look out uh, for one another. If I can help, ask. That's all we should be able, that's all we should need to do. It's what we're supposed to do. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. By this, people will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And how that looks now is, is really different from how it did look six, seven weeks ago. It's harder. We're, we're further apart. We can't necessarily be together in the way that we should, that we would like to. And it tests our character and it tests our patience and it tests the sorts of things that we would prefer to be doing. But the, although the goalposts have moved, the game hasn't changed. It is still love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. Important things that are essential to who we are. That's the experience of walking in grace, isn't it? That's what Christ has done for us. So when Paul writes, you then, my son, or you therefore, my son, he is encouraging Timothy to be like Onesiphorus, not like the ones who abandoned both Paul and by leaving Paul their faith. They found it hard and left it. Paul uses three illustrations to help Timothy, who's a young man, sometimes a timid man and not always a well man, uh, to uh, encourage him in this walk to keep on going. There are three little illustrations that, that he's applied. He's talked about the soldier, the athlete and the farmer. These aren't uh, types that we should slavishly copy and say, I'm the, I'm the soldier, you're the athlete. But they're aspects of the way they behave that are important and helpful uh, for Christians. It's important to hold on to those things because each point helps us understand how to continue walking in the pattern that Christ has given us. So the soldier is more concerned with pleasing his commanding officer than with, be than with becoming entangled in matters of civilian life. There's nothing wrong with civilian life and we're involved as a church in our community and in civil issues. But when they divert us from our priority, that's an issue. And, and Paul is mindful to say he doesn't want the, the soldier doesn't get diverted from the orders that the commanding officer has given him. His priority is to please 
the commanding officer. And we sometimes need to do that. We sometimes need to refocus and say, what is God calling? Who is God calling us to be? Uh, we sometimes need to accept that uh, our obedience to God is part of acknowledging that there's a plan of which we are just a small part. There's a big plan. God's talked about it. We've we've studied it in Revelation. He wants to restore the world and we are a small part of that pattern happening. We don't know what it looks like. It's a bit like looking behind a tapestry. We just see the bit at the front. We don't see all the needlework and stitching behind. But we've just remembered VE Day, in which it's not a bad thing to remember that people gave their lives for something bigger that it was more important for them to do what was asked, do what was expected, play their part in order that something better would happen, something bad, evil would not happen, that that was what was threatened. It was a world that they wouldn't necessarily see, but they knew they were a part of it. And though they may never have understood the fullness of, of, of the plans that were laid before them, that their commanding officers were working to, they gave out of obedience because it was important. Likewise, we listen to God on his call for us above all other things. When we look next at the athlete, it's a little bit trickier because Paul uses the athlete uh, metaphor quite a lot. But in this case, um, the commentator Donald Guthrie makes an interesting point that in order for an athlete to compete in the Olympics, they had to swear an oath that they had been in training for at least 10 months beforehand. This was to keep the standards of the Olympics high, worth watching, worth looking at. And I think that's quite interesting because we, we saw um, just before the lockdown, we went to watch Ben Fogel speak uh, at the King's Theatre in Portsmouth. And he talked about some of the wild and amazing things that he'd done, one of which included the dreaded Marathon des Sables, sorry for my French there, which is a 156 miles ultramarathon held in the Sahara Desert over six days. It's very gruelling and people need to prepare. But it's one of those things that people have got on their bucket list. Yeah, I've, I've done it. It's one of those achievement things. So there are masses of applications. And he said he applied a year in advance and he was told he was 1,000th in the queue, which he thought, fine. Six weeks before the race, he received another phone call, evidently he'd forgotten about it. He'd received a phone call telling him that 999 people had now dropped out and that place was now his. And because he hadn't been training in expectation, he could not find a gym instructor prepared to train him for the Marathon de Sable in just six weeks time. It's amazing that he completed it. It's absolutely, it's really quite inspiring to watch him deal with it. But what if every major event was full of people who just rocked up because they fancied a go or thought it was worth trying? It wouldn't take long before there were real injuries, people got hurt or even worse, and other people would lose interest because it didn't have the inspiring, exciting uh, sort of story to it. We're supposed to be inspiring people. That the lives we live are, are different. They stand out and they, and they do things that other people look back and go, wow, that's incredible. How did you do that? What, what led you to do that? And so being prepared to say, these are the conditions I accept. That if I'm following Jesus, I prepare myself. I, I'm prepared to follow Jesus. And that's what the athlete uh, motif is about. It's about being prepared to follow him, making the preparation necessary.
Finally, a bit more tricky uh, is the farmer because Paul again uses farming illustrations elsewhere. But but here the emphasis and here the emphasis is quite subtle because hardworking farmers are entitled to receive a share of the harvest. There is a thought that perhaps Timothy was going without the resources he needed uh, to continue the ministry, and Paul is encouraging him to sort of get involved and say, you know, Timothy, you need stuff, accept it. And and our ministry as a church. Um, needs resources and you know I have to say we need money to keep going uh, to pay for the things that we're doing all year round and please uh, just pay a bit of attention and time in prayer for uh, the letter Alan our treasurer has put out but that's not uh, Paul's emphasis here I'll be clear about that uh, that it's about looking for the future uh, all the others are about the future, aren't they? Being prepared to, for the games, being prepared to follow my commander for the objectives he's given me. And so at the end, there is an objective. Uh, and when uh, when the farmer reaches that objective, which is the crop, the harvest, he's entitled to a share. Preparing to farm is hard work. There's there's preparation for the ground. There's, there's sowing the seeds. There's animal husbandry. There's um, anxiety as you watch the weather endlessly and you wonder about the quality, the quantity and perhaps even the price that you'll get. And, and that's a farmer's life. But there's also the entitlement to a share of it. When Jesus's disciples started to worry about what this life might look like, he, he assured them that there would be heavenly reward that would outweigh anything that they would be leaving behind here. Our God knows that we are worth the wages, that there's an outcome, there's an expected outcome. We don't work to be rewarded, but we work for a God who wants to bless us, who is not cold and heartless, but who knows that there is something that he is bringing us and drawing us into that is better, richer and, and more uh, more beautiful than we can imagine. And so we, we follow a God with a hope of our share, uh, of a share in that in that future. And you could look at the story of Joshua in Canaan uh, as an example uh, of how God apportions things. Uh, that's quite hefty stuff. We'll put that in the house group notes uh, for another time. Um, but that's important. We would never take on something without expectation or preparation, really, or regular training. Uh, we wouldn't uh, book a holiday without expecting to have had a good time. We, we wouldn't uh, invest our money in something without some kind of outcome. We wouldn't prepare for a course without doing the work. Um, and, and that's important for us. If we're following God, if we're, if we're going to sort of endure and persevere through this time, we need to remember that the flames that fired us in the beginning need to be fanned and need to be kept alive. They need to be fed uh, in order to keep us going, especially when things take a turn and change course, as they have for Paul and Timothy here. So I wonder, you know, I want to encourage us to keep going uh, and go deeper. Paul is encouraging Timothy to become the kind of person who, like Onesiphorus, loves the Lord and loves his neighbour. He's able to have a deep awareness and compassion for people. If we want to be the kinds of people that can share our experience of the grace of God with others, that that change in us, that ongoing changing work in us is something we should cultivate. It's something we should be prepared to, to foster, to allow to grow in us. Rich prayer lives, deep relationship with God awareness of his presence with us, awareness that there are people 
who God may tell us are in need that we are prepared to go searching for in order to make the effort to um, look after and bless and love. So be encouraged that God is drawing us into a life, but it's a life that takes shape in us through some of our response to that in the way that we uh, look at things, in the way we get involved in things and in the way that we uh, have expectation. It's important, actually, that Paul ends this little paragraph with this lovely phrase, reflect on these things and the Lord will give you insight. He will show you how he wants to grow you, how you can be, become uh, the kind of person that he's calling us to be. So be encouraged. Uh, be encouraged that Paul, even in his in his circumstances, was experiencing the love of God and sharing uh, the love of God. His uh, love for us uh, that continues and calls us and shapes us. So stay safe and be blessed. Amen. Please join in with a response to the intercessions. Lord, graciously hear us. God of the Church, we come together in prayer today, although we are separate in our own homes. Thank you for this day and the opportunity to worship you as a family, despite these strange times. Thank you that through all the turmoil, the fear, the isolation that we face, you are the God who brings us peace. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. In the face of a world pandemic, we pray for the leaders of the world that they may have wisdom as they make decisions concerning the health and economy of nations. We pray for leaders of our country as they balance the needs of protecting the health service and reducing the lockdown. We also pray for those advising governments, for the World Health Organization and for scientific advisers, that they may have a clear understanding and present facts clearly to decision makers. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. God of the Church, we pray for our church leaders, in particular for Justin, our Archbishop. We pray that under his leadership, the Church may proclaim a message of hope and be a light in these dark times. In times of crisis, people turn to prayer. May the Church welcome those who wish to pray and guide them on their Christian journey. Remember those who, like Paul and Timothy, teach your word, particularly those preachers who have touched our own hearts. We pray for Matt and the preaching team in this church who faithfully teach us Sunday by Sunday and now day by day in the daily updates. We ask you to inspire them as they adapt and develop new ways of sharing your word. May each of us acknowledge our own responsibility in teaching your word. Grant us all the confidence, as Peter wrote, to explain the reason for the hope that is in us. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We pray for those on the front line, those who work in the NHS and care homes, for those who keep us supplied with food, for those who take away our rubbish, and for those who provide public transport and maintain our infrastructure. We thank you for the dedication of all these people, and we pray for their safety, for their health, that they may have a time of rest. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. This week is Christian Aid Week. We pray for the work of Christian aid across the globe, 
helping to lift people out of poverty. Remember the Christian aid workers and those whom they support, as well as those who have achieved financial independence with the assistance of Christian aid. Based in countries without a sophisticated health service, may they have the knowledge and resources to protect themselves from the virus. We pray that without the door-to-door -door collection this year, people will still recognise the value of Christian Aid's work and respond to this year's appeal with generosity. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. At a time when there is so much grief, we pray for comfort. At a time when there is so much sickness, we pray for healing. At a time when there is so much loneliness, we pray for peace. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as we come together this morning, um, spiritually, we're, we're on the same page. We're, we're united by the love of Christ and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit amongst us. We are called together by Jesus Christ. Let's hold on to those things and share uh, with one another the love that he has for us, but also acknowledge our shortcomings, our failings and the things that we have sometimes done uh, that hurt our Father in heaven, uh, that, um, that hurt one another and damage ourselves. So let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we confess we have failed you, as did your first disciples. We ask for your mercy and your help, because our selfishness betrays you. Lord, forgive us. Christ, have mercy. Lord, we fail to share the pain of your suffering. We ignore the needs of others. We allow things to continue. And we do not love as you've called us. Lord, forgive us. Christ, have mercy. We run away from those who abuse you. We are frightened of being found out or of being um, uncovered or exposed as a believer associated with you. Lord, forgive us. Christ, have mercy. We are afraid of being known to belong to you. Sometimes the trust we have put in you embarrasses us and we fail to hold on to it and go our own way. Lord, forgive us. Christ, have mercy. Well, the, the privilege of every minister is to proclaim the grace of God uh, made available to us through Jesus Christ. So may the Lord enrich us with his grace and nourish us with his blessing. The Lord defend us in trouble and keep us from all evil. The Lord accept our prayers and absolve us of our offences for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Now, if you've been, if you've been sharing uh, bread and wine as part of your Sunday lunchtime uh, together, then let's remind ourselves of these words that, that, that Paul wrote uh, to the church. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried 
that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. As we share bread and wine, we remember that Jesus offered his body and his blood to save the world, save us for his glory. Amen.